And thanks to Cryo Malt, this is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News. And as ever, I'm joined by my good friend, colleague and regular co-host, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. Matt, playing around with the inflection there, just no, so you, you didn't think I was phoning it in or just uh, cutting it in? Not at all. I hope I didn't I know. sound you know, too interested or disinterested. <laughs> Still good, we've moved on. Yeah, I think we've moved on from that. Um, but uh, yeah, actually, well, we're recording this on a Tuesday and the last episode's just gone out. So there's not too much uh, for us to really talk about since the, the, the last episode. Um, there's no real news that we can talk about, Prof, that I can think of. No, well, we're, you're coming down to Melbourne tomorrow. I am coming down and to from Melbourne. Melbourne. You're then heading to Geelong for the uh, a new, uh, is it a reinventing? Is it a, a reimagining or a reopening? Uh, relaunching? Um, I think it's the reopening of the White Rabbit Brewery. So the White Rabbit Brewery at Hillsfield line announced that they were closing down earlier this year. Um, and it's yeah, just opening up in its new home in that uh, amazing complex down at uh, Little Creatures, where which is also the home of Little Creatures. I can't think of the name of the complex, Prof. Can you remember what it's called? Which complex? The, the complex that Little Creatures sits in down in Geelong. Um, the Little Creatures Brewery? No. Um, well, well, that's what it is now, but it's, it's that old series oh, of buildings. Oh, sorry, uh, yes, buildings. yeah, the, um, the, the textile mills, um, the name will come to me anyway. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, it's within the, I don't know, Camp Little Creatures. Yeah, well, no, because I was um, at a relaunch of the Forex Breweries Ale House um, in, in Brisbane recently where they'd, They've relaunched it again, um, but a couple of the guys who are part of Lions Hospitality Group were up here, and they were talking about it, you know, very, uh, um, you know, really talking it up. So I'm quite keen to see what the White Rabbit Brewery, uh, what what they've done down there, because yeah. I was lucky enough to visit the White Rabbit Brewery a week or so before it uh, opened, and uh, went through with the then head brewer Dean McLeod. At, at Hillsville? Uh, out at Hillsville, yeah. Yep. And and the, the, I must admit, as a hospitality person, the thing that struck me, even though it was sort of, you know, it was under a foot of sawdust and it was sort of still a bit um, under construction, uh, it, that it was, a, I think, probably best described as an opportunity missed. I think there were great, um, great potential in the place, but I think it's in the, the little sort of triangle there with um, uh, Giant Steps, Innocent Bystander and the bakery, uh, and the brewery was kind of tucked away, and I think probably it, it, literally and figuratively in the shadow of the of the um, the winery and Providor sort of area, and I think it just wasn't uh, either niche or cosy or inviting enough in and of itself to um, I guess drag the numbers in. It just I think it was yeah it, it should have either just been a, a brewery perhaps with a, a a small funky little cellar door, or it should have been a bigger um, and and I think maybe better thought out uh, hospitality offering, but I think it'll it'll get the um, the treatment it deserves uh, down at Geelong. I think there's there's it's, much it, much more opportunity down there for it. It's interesting to hear you say that because one of the things that the guys, the original founders of Little Creatures, just nailed was the hospitality offering um, at Little Creatures Fremantle. And when you see Little Creatures Geelong, um, you know it's, it's got all that you would expect of that, you know, really funky little creatures brand. And they, they it's one of the things that has really um, set little creatures apart and been a big part of their success is the way that they've done that. So Yeah, and the beer, consider- the beer at, at Frio is, is, is almost a, a bonus. 
it's not you know it's it's kind of the reason you go you go in there but then the the whole vibe of the place is what keeps you there mm. whereas this and, was and kind of kind of the opposite admittedly i haven't been back to little creatures geelong since uh, i was invited down for the launch um what gee that must be two years ago it now was two years ago yeah um, I, drove you, I drove you back to town you did indeed eventful, yes you did an eventful trip it was fun so uh but uh, yeah, and I haven't been down, and I'm always a little bit wary of judging a place purely on the launch because obviously people pull out all stops um, for that sort of thing. But uh, I, I was certainly very impressed just with the attention to detail, the little quirky character things that they, they added. So yeah, no, look, I mean, that's a long way of saying very excited to be heading down and uh, seeing what White Rabbit's going to, uh, to pull out because they certainly were t- talking it up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so today we might g- get out, go straight into our guest today, seeing there's not too much news. I mean, we, we could talk about Kegstar um, is now 100% uh, owned by... Uh, Brambles. Brambles, that's it, logistics firm. Yeah, um, they, they, they did own 30% for the last couple of years. They did, uh, I, I guess... Uh, yeah, well, a, a they're sponsors of ours, so uh, yeah, very generous sponsors of ours. But uh, I, I guess anyone that's read the news, they've been taken over. Uh, Adam Trip Smith is staying on as CEO, and uh, the so he's still purchase... going to basically manage that. That'll all kind of stay the same. It'll just be Kegstar, a division of Brambles. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know uh, too much. Um, knowing, there is knowing, to ATS, know, knowing ATS as uh, as intimately as we both do, um, and and on my list of, of one of the top blokes to you know sort of get caught at the the hot end of the bar um, with a couple of beers with. Um, do you reckon he's got something else planned? I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a huge credit to him that he's birthed this project and seen it uh, go very well. He, Previously, it certainly has. Was, I mean, you just visit a lot of breweries and you just see, boom, yeah, you know, the the big familiar, you know, keg star logo. And and, and that sort of infrastructure is a big part of um, seeing the, the craft beer movement, or you know, the, sorry, the the small brewery movement grow, having that sort of infrastructure and that sort of uh, ease, and it seems to have been embraced. So yeah, yeah I mean, and not I, having I, the, not a, the, just he's basically, I guess, said, give me. 80% of your brewing headaches and, and I'll, I'll deal with them. So it's the, how do I, you know, how do I afford to buy, oh, do you, do, I just need a few more, but just for now, or, you know, summer's coming up, I'm going to need a few more kegs, but I, you know, I don't want them taking up space. Oh, I've got to chase up all the ones that are, uh, you know, uh, delinquent. Um, having that all sort of done for you and, and sort of point and shoot your, um, your scanner, boom, the, I know where that keg is at any time kind of thing is just a, it's been a boon. To the, to the Brewers, if, uh, if if you think that kegs are 80% of your uh, headaches, uh, please send me an email, editor at brewersnews.com.au, and I'll be sure to forward them to uh, Pete Mitchum yeah. for reply. You don't, you, don't, you don't think the, the actual headaches revolve mostly around those little tubes of frothy goodness? Uh, I, I, I know that that's a significant... Oh, it's, a, it, it's a significant headache, I would... I, I, I should was... I should preface that by saying I'm not including the point up to which you actually get the liquid and put it in the kegs. I'm just saying okay. from that point, once it becomes beer and it's in <laughs> okay. kegs, okay. I'll tell you what, eighty maybe ninety percent. Listeners, tell us tell us what percentage 
Solve, solve this argument for us. Although I think we're getting a little bit niggly there, Prof. So uh, we best move on. Um, but yeah, no, and, and today we're going to have a chat to Steve Jeffers, who is sort of like, I, I, he's well and truly... Uh, if he's now officially a good on, friend of the program, because well, once, you, once you've been on three times... I, I, I think he's almost an elder statesman of the program. Uh, he's been on have. a few times. Okay, no. yeah. But anyway, Steve Jeffers, uh, who with his uh, partner Guy uh, Greenstone founded the uh, local tap house, but also uh, the great Australasian beer spectacular. Um, and we're, it's almost that time of the year again where we start talking Hottest 100. So we wanted to find out a little bit about um, what the Hottest 100 is going to look like this year. And uh, so let's get on and chat to Steve. Steve Jeffers, welcome back to Radio Brews News. Prof actually says that you're, uh, you are now considered a friend of the program. Uh, well, friend of the program. A great, great honour. What, uh, what do you need to do to qualify that? Is it uh, greenbacks in the back of the hand or...? No, no, mate. You know, generally, you know, all good, decent radio programs, um, if you have a, a guest on, once they've been on three times, they're officially recognised as, or introduced as, and please welcome good friend of the program, Steve Jeffers. That's a great honour. I look forward to my brass plaque. <laughs> well, mate, if, if you renew your sponsorship, we'll make sure that some of that goes back to... <laughs> but I uh, know we, we didn't get you on to embarrass you uh, and hit you up for, for, for dollars. We got you on to talk because it is almost uh, voting season again for uh, the biggest uh, event of the beer year, um, the Hottest 100. Yeah, it's, uh, it comes around very fast, doesn't it? Uh, we always seem to kind of put it aside and forget about it until... Uh, it gets uh, to kind of September, really. And then, obviously, every year we try and improve it. Um, we take on board feedback from, from you guys and from the public and obviously our own ideas. And we're always trying to tweak it. So well, we've been working pretty hard in the last uh, four weeks to put it all together. And uh, voting starts on the 14th of, um, of December until January the 18th. So a similar period to what we've had in the past. Um, and we'll be putting the call out to... Uh, Brewers uh, all over the country to uh, to get online to our, our beer hub portal to uh, to register their beers and make sure the ones that we have are up to date and obviously add any new ones that are eligible. So it's uh, it's very exciting. Obviously, we've got uh, Dan Murphy as well as obviously Brews News and um, Crafty Pint. We've obviously got uh, the local tap house on board. Uh, Gabs is is um, heavily on board on board this year as well, and um, we've got uh, Dan Murphy's who are going to help us uh, as well. Uh, get the voting, the call for votes out uh, to probably a, a far bigger uh, audience than we've ever had uh, in the past. So it's, uh, it's really exciting. Now, what, what are some of the changes this year? I mean, we, we should go back and uh, remind people that the Hottest 100 uh, started ooh, way back six years ago now, seven years ago. 2008. 2008. 2008. So uh, seven years ago, and it was designed to, as a bit of fun, uh, just at the local tap house St Kilda to run in conjunction, uh, just very much a local thing within the pub, um, designed to run in uh, concert with the uh, Hottest 100 uh, from Triple J. Yeah, that's right. It was actually both the tap houses in Sydney and Melbourne, and uh, that was only probably at best a couple of dozen of people that were involved in that original vote, and uh, now we have many thousands and in fact um, we have just had a we're just working on a wikipedia entry because a lot of people who ask us you know what they obviously like to know what the results were in previous years and so we've started a wikipedia entry we're working on to list all the hottest 100 since 2008 um, which uh, for those uh, people out there who are interested uh, that's a great place to to find that sort of information absolutely and uh 
Yeah, it, it has grown and morphed uh, over the first couple of years, and you do listen to, to the feedback. And last year, I think no, actually the, the year before last, you instituted a, a system where you preloaded all of the beers that were eligible um, from all of the breweries, which is a massive undertaking. So there's just a drop-down box that people can, uh, um, when they come to vote, they can just drop down. And that way you were getting away from you know, people who were getting names wrong or uh, getting brewery names and brand names mixed up. Yeah, well, we last year, well, for the last couple of years, we've been developing this, this, um, I guess, database system that we can use across Gabs and uh, and the tap houses and the hottest 100. And uh, we decided uh, to uh, really compel the brewers. The, the, I guess the the hottest 100 had matured enough that brewers really wanted to be involved. Uh, you know, there was always. Every, you know, there were many breweries who always were keen to be on board, but um, this was a way to compel everyone to get on board, make sure that uh, your um, your brewery name's correct, your beers are correct, your ABVs and all that sort of stuff are correct um, uh, on the beer hub because that then automatically feeds out so people can vote for you. So if you don't, if breweries don't register their their beers, they're basically people can't vote for them. Now, there are always opportunities for um, beer fans uh, because the list is so extensive is that uh, despite our best best efforts, there's always going to be something missing or something that's not quite right. And so we do have, um, uh, we do allow for the uh, beer fan to email us and notify us of any any of those uh, incorrect entries and we'll obviously endeavour to fix them very promptly so they can vote for their beer. I will, I will add just, you know, what you said before about the feedback is one of the things, obviously there's, uh, at, the, at the pointy end of the list for the last two or three years, um, at, at least there have been some familiar favourites there. But what, one of the things we're quite excited to do this year, which is very much a, an, a, an outcome of feedback this year's, uh, early this year, is that we're going to have the hottest new beers list, which is basically just a sub-list or a subset of the hottest 100, which um, will list the hottest beers that have been released this year. So for beer fans, that's often, uh, for serious beer fans, that's something that uh, they take great interest in and that's something that we're going to do this year, as I said, for the first time. So uh, that'll be kind of interesting. Like most, some people can do it of their own accord, um, but um, it'll be, we'll, be able, we'll be presented to them uh, the hottest uh, new beers of the year as a separate, as a separate list. Now, Steve, this year has really been, and it, I mean, it's a little bit, actually, no, it is that stage of the year when we can start, oops, sorry, it is that stage of the year. <laughs> it, it is that stage of the year where we can start looking at, you know, best of and the, the themes from the year. And the, I mean, the, the outstanding theme for me this year is the um, move away from this idea that there is such a thing as craft beer. You know, we've always debate, debated uh, what the definition of craft beer is, but this year seems to have been we've just decided or there, there's been a movement away from craft beer and just to, to beer in all of its shades um, and people decide what they like. Do you think that we'll ever see, uh, you know, if not this year, at, at some stage in the future, where the local tap house hottest 100 is not going to be Australia's best craft beers, but it's just going to be Australia's best beers? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we, we debated that this year, Matt, and uh, I think uh, it's only a matter of time. Like, certainly I share your view that, uh, and, and have for quite a period of time, that craft is... is, is it's a really interesting debate, obviously, because I think that it's nice to some ways separate independent craft, small craft breweries and microbreweries from from the rest. Um, and obviously, craft was one way that the American Brewers Association developed that um, term, and uh, it means obviously less and less. Um, I guess the thing is that we we want the beers. Um, 
obviously you know that the mainstream beers are ineligible to be um, currently at least uh, in the hottest 100 ineligible to be voted for. There are obviously the little creatures, James Squire, Matilda Bays of this world. That's I. We at the moment we uh, we have them as eligible uh, because we think that I guess they're um, they're they have a role to play in in converting people to craft and they've got broad distribution and people very much see those as a, a way to get into craft beer. But uh, I have no doubt really that uh, the word craft will at some point, if not next year, certainly shortly thereafter, that uh, will, it'll just become the best, the hottest beers of the year. Because I, I guess that's one of the, the, you know, look, one of the perennial debates is when you when you look at some of the lists, um, when you see the the list that comes out, you know, there is always complaints about, uh, you know, either beers that people are a little bit bored with being high up, or beers that, um, you know, one of the perennial complaints is a beer, you know, say for example, Four Pines Kolsch, um, great beer. It's a beer that I drink a lot of, and it's got national. Uh, distribution so it's probably available for more people to try and it's going to weight automatically more heavily than an esoteric very regional beer that you know maybe crops up in half a dozen bottle shops um, and yet people get very upset that beers that they don't regard as being as interesting or as novel or as new um, rate highly but I guess fundamentally that's the, the, the nature of the poll isn't it? Yeah, listen, it's it's our hottest 100. It's it's not meant to seriously be taken too seriously. Uh, it is, you know, the whole premise is that each individual has uh, takes a moment in their year, at the end of the year, to think about what five favourite beers um, were their favourites for the year, and that's kind of the essence of what the event is about. And obviously, from that, we then compile a list of the 100. But you know, one person's top five is very different to another top five and I think uh, that's kind of why we've come up with the sub list because a lot of the people that I think would be upset uh, for whatever reason uh, they um, I think what what we found in our surveys is that people are keen to see what, what what is new that year and obviously what's new that year tends to tend to um, open up um, opportunities if you like for um, for those more small batch um, small distributed um, beers, but there's there's always beers that uh, buck the trend. Like a Praline last year was a good example, uh, and there are others that um, the Bridge Road beer. Um, there are certainly others that uh, rank pretty highly, have ranked pretty highly in the hottest 100. 100 who, which uh, are beers that uh, either were only available for a, a very very short limited uh, period of time, or they have very limited distribution. So. Um, Steve, don't forget, some people uh, won't, are never happy unless they're being upset. You know, uh, try to find a reason to be affronted. Yeah, listen, we don't take, we don't, uh, take it too seriously. Uh, we do listen to, um, we absolutely listen to feedback like we always do, and uh, we, we take it all on board and we've kind of, we, we do what we can. But as you say, Prof, there is, um, you can't please everyone all the time, and we just try and want to make a great fun day of it. And uh, the countdown, obviously, on Australia Day, across the country in what will be more official venues than ever before. So this year, um, at the moment, we only put the call out about five, six days ago. I think we've got 40 venues, and that was what we had for the whole of uh, last year's registration period. So we, I expect we're going to have more official venues all over the country counting down the hottest 100 beers uh, on Australia Day. And um, it was a lot of fun last year. And obviously, you guys did your podcast, and uh, I, I think... Um, 
I think the event, the the idea of it is going to um, to grow and grow, and I, I hope that it becomes what it was intended to be when we kind of started to expand it. Is just a great reason to to raise a glass of great beer uh, on Australia Day and celebrate local products. Now, now, last year for the countdown in the, the official venues, you had the top 10 beers as much as possible on tap. You're moving away from this year because of, uh, it, it, I understand, because it signals, um, you know, it, it gives the game away too early? Uh, a combination of things. First, one of them is that, as you mentioned before, that there are some familiar faces, uh, certainly for the last few years, that have uh, come up time and time again. Um, and some uh, venues last year chose... Um, to just celebrate what their staff and what their customers uh, liked for the year. And then they kind of compared it, if you like, with what the, the Hottest 100 list uh, were. And so that's kind of the approach that we took this year. We, we also wanted to elevate the surprise uh, of the countdown. Like in previous years, we've let uh, official venues know what the top 10 are before the actual results are publicly known uh, in no particular order. So we've kind of said, well, this is the top 10 in no particular order. If you can get them great in time for your event, that's, that's great. But uh, as a result, some people, you know, it's hard to get venues to do the right thing, uh, all of them, and it's uh, hard for everyone to keep their, their, um, their, uh, their trap shut with, to keep the secret of what is in the top 10. So we thought, well, listen, let's just keep it a complete secret apart from obviously a few important people like uh, Bruce News and the like. Um, and then everyone will be as surprised as, as everyone else on, on the day. And I like the idea. Like, certainly at the tap houses here, we're going to do a, a poll almost going back to what we did eight years ago. Is we're just going to come up with the our favourite beers of the year and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of tap them. And it'll be fascinating to see how it compares with, um, you know, the Hottest 100 results. I see. One of my... I think favourite uh, in the last three four years, one of my my favourite things of all time of the year, my highlights of the year, is to go through the hottest one hundred and look at the number of beers that were experimental beers um, for Gabs in previous years, and and see that they've not only a um, made it onto the regular roster of a lot of brewers, which I think speaks volumes to the the, the quality of the beer and also to the opportunity that Gabs gives brewers and their beers, um, but also to the um, the popularity of those beers then once they do become, um, you know, portfolio beers for the, for, the, for the particular brewers. And you guys must be very proud because it's just a nice segue into the, the sort of the nexus between the Tap House and the Hottest 100 and Gabs. Yeah, it is. Like, um, that's, as you say, it's certainly something we're really proud of. I think it was around seven beers, I think, this year that were... Um, uh, Brewed especially there, for Gabs, and then then uh, they appeared. Or sorry, last year. I think there were 11, 11 in the top, or seventeen in the top fifty. Nah, I no, no, I don't think that's right. I you think uh, I don't think that's right. Huh? What would that, that be? Could be proven saying? wrong, but I think uh, I think um, in one of the Crafty Pint pictorial kind of graphs that that uh, they did, I think it had a, a little kind of one of the pictorial things was that I think it was about seven or eight of the of Gabs beers that had been featured in the top one hundred, which we thought was. A fantastic result. Even if it was more, then it's even more impressive. But it's certainly uh, a nice. It's, it's a really lovely story about um, beers that, in a lot of cases, were genuinely only produced for Gabs as a one-off batch, and they uh, they resonate with the, the, the people at the event. And then there's a groundswell of interest, and before you know it, they're um, they're packaging the beer and, and putting it out uh, in draft as well. And, and there's some really great stories. Probably the one I repeat most is, is, is or two is praline. And in particular, Taco. Taco is, is obviously a beer that's had tremendous success um, 
and it featured um, uh, highly on the uh, Hollis 100 as a, as a spray lane. It's, it's a really love, as you say, it, it ties everything that we do together uh, with a nice little bow. Do you think we'll see gabs being used more and more as a means for brewers to road test and uh, you know pre-release uh, beers that they do hope to uh, go into full-time uh, production? I think that's already been happening increasingly over the years. I've lost gabs. This is, I guess, the fourth gabs that we've just had um, at the Royal Exhibition Building, and I think every year there's there's always I, I kind of divide the brewers of festival beers into two or three. One one of them is obviously those that produce something that they go into Gabs knowing it's going to be a regular product. And Little Brewing Company is, is, a, is, a, is a one that comes to mind that uh, every year they release one of their regular products at uh, Gabs. Uh, then there are others who uh, have no intention of brewing it beyond Gabs, and so they might go a bit crazy or whatever. And then there are others who, um, I guess, have come, come into it with an open mind and um, produce a beer that they don't necessarily think that they'll brew again. And it might involve ingredients or processes that make maybe make it cost prohibitive to brew it on a bigger scale um but then they get traction at gabs and um and taco is is, is, an, is that example i think where i think i've heard jane say that it's a real really difficult to beer to make because of the lime that they uh, have to zest and uh, it's not one that they look forward to doing but um they've obviously found ways that they can do it in a manner that works for them and that uh, they're able to um produce it, and now it's, I believe it's one of their core range, and that's uh, that's a good example of it. But I think every year people see the opportunity uh, at Gabs, and they they see it for what it is. And as Gabs grows and expands, and um, it, the audience hopefully will get bigger and bigger for them to be able to take a few risks, because people who walk through the front doors of Gabs are predisposed to new beer experiences. That's why they're there. They're there to try lots of different beers and broaden their understanding uh, of of what beer can be and 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 so people, you know, brewers seize that opportunity if they're smart. Now, one beer that didn't get the, the Gab's uh, golden touch was Warney's 99 Not Out, uh, which uh, <laughs> seems to have been deleted this year. Um, well, I think, they, I think they preface it by saying it's not, you know, it may come back. A bit like, um, you know, John Farnham is that uh, maybe it'll do a few more uh, farewell tours before it's really kind of locked up in the closet. But, uh, no, I don't think it's, uh, it did as well as they, they hoped. Um, but, you know, Maybe he could donate some of those uh, takings to his charity. <laughs> or at least sixteen percent of them. I think. Probably, yeah, <laughs> I think the the key issue is if you if you if you base your the basic premise of your beer is based on a lie, then it's it's never going to. You're always going to get caught out. If you look in the record books, Warney never made ninety nine not out. He was out. He was given out. You can say till the cows come home. He didn't hit it. No, he didn't catch. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's in the book. Look it up. <laughs> the marketing department didn't like that story though. No, that's right. No, marketing departments never do like the truth. But anyway, we, marketing we, department we, may not have been aware that they were producing a, a series of ads for a beer. That's very true. Sure. But now, uh, Warney did ring the bell. Was it last year? No, it was the year before, before. the Warney rang the bell. Year before. Uh, you did, rang did the you bell last year. Yeah, but not the. Uh, actually, I, I did ring the uh, end of the first session after Warney had rung the, the the start of the first session. You did. Um, I, I didn't get to ring it this year though. But uh, then again, you know. No, I don't think uh, no one's rung the bell twice. I think there's there's a fair roster of uh, of um, brewing identities that uh, we'd love to get to ring the bell uh, before we get so around. So we're not friends of the bell, bell, is what I'm hearing. No, no one's a friend of the bell just yet. Not not, hey, that, you're, not at, using that criteria. Matt, at least you got cheered. I got booed because what you don't realise, if you get to ring the kick out bell, 
You don't make friends. <laughs> there should not be a kick out bell. It should be like an air raid siren or something. That, something automatic. <laughs> don't draw attention. Now Pete Mitchum's going to kick you all out. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> oh, you bastard. Yeah. No, but uh, do, do we have any um, news for this year? Uh, you, you, you taunted us uh, when we sort of teed you up for this interview that there may be something to announce. Well, there, there is in regards to Gabs. You know, um, we've been working very, very hard for a, a long period of time. And as, uh, as you know, this was the first year that we've gone to, uh, to Sydney. Uh, and uh, uh, we went to, to Sydney with caution. We didn't know how it was going to go down. And, and we were very happy with how it went down. I think the people who attended it had a great time as well. So uh, next year, uh, we're going to, uh, to two days in, in Sydney, which is very exciting. Uh, Gabs Melbourne is also expanding in footprints. We're, we're going to be taking over more than half of the upstairs area, which will allow us more space for more brewers. Um, the food markets will expand, and there's some other very, very cool ideas which uh, we'll be announcing when tickets go on sale next March 18. But the big news that we're announcing this week is that we're going to Auckland. Uh, Gabs Auckland is happening uh, on June 8, Saturday, June 18 next year at the ASB Showgrounds, and um, we're taking the whole all, all the bells and whistles over. It'll have a very very, very strong New Zealand um, focus. It's not going to be a complete replica uh, in terms of the beer list. It'll be mostly New Zealand brewers with stands and um, it'll be predominantly New Zealand brewed festival beers. Um, we've already got, I guess, arguably the top 20 breweries in uh, New Zealand already confirmed to be involved in the event uh, before we've even formally put it out and made the announcement. So we're absolutely thrilled that um, it's going to be Gab's Melbourne, Gab Sydney, and then Auckland next year. And uh, we're hoping that we get a great crowd, and um, we're absolutely thrilled to be taking it there. So that's um, that's breaking news. Oh, well, wow. So uh, what's the thinking of taking it to Auckland? I mean, uh, Wellington's got beer Vana, New Zealand has a thriving festival culture, um, and, you know, you guys don't have a tap house footprint um, over in New Zealand. What, what was the, the driver to go there? Well, the tap, the, listen, the tap, the tap house connection is obviously, it was born in the tap house, but I, I would argue that uh, Gabs is, 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 uh, is, is probably big enough, big enough and bold enough and old enough now to stand on its own two feet. So that wasn't really uh, a factor. I think um, the, we've had uh, support, we've supported uh, the New Zealand industry uh, in, at Gabs since the very beginning. And um, we have... Um, always intended from the very beginning, from the way we designed the event and built the, and invested in the infrastructure that Gabs, we would want, we wanted to take Gabs on the road. We wanted to introduce uh, people outside of Melbourne and, and now outside of Sydney to uh, a premium beer experience um, where they could taste uh, these festival beers and also um, meet brewers at, at, at exhibitors in a way that um, I guess is done, like there's, there's, a, there's some fantastic beer festivals around Australia, of course, and there's also great ones in, uh, in New Zealand as well. But currently there is no beer festival in Auckland. And uh, we, it was always on the radar, perhaps probably not for 2017, 2016. But uh, the opportunity came up. We were approached by uh, some New Zealand brewers and um, it really kind of came together quite quickly. So um, really probably in the last four or six weeks. And um, so, as I said, it's not about bringing promoting Australian beers in New Zealand, it's actually quite the opposite. It's, it's about promoting homegrown New Zealand beers in a way that's never been done before in the biggest city in New Zealand. And we, we've learned a lot over the last four years of how we think we know 
uh, to create a, a premium beer experience. And um, so we thought uh, we'd, we'd take the opportunity to, and as I said, we've done so with the, the endorsement of um, already as the, the, you know, the leading brewers all over New Zealand are really excited for us to be bringing our, our type of event to, uh, to town. And it'll form part of a, a national kind of, um, a national series of, of great beer events, of which Beervana is obviously one. Christchurch has its own one. There's one in Nelson. So we're not kind of going in there stepping on anyone's toes. As I said, Auckland doesn't have event, an event currently. And um, we think it's going to fit in nicely and complement others as well. So uh, you're not, you've shelved plans to come to Brisbane or maybe even go across to Adelaide? No, that's, uh, that's not the case. We, we applied for a, uh, a site in Brisbane right on the river in South Bay. And um, unfortunately, they wanted uh, only free events. They loved the idea of our event, but um, they wanted only free events. And then it, uh, we looked at other sites and we got very close. But to be honest, with, with our own brewery, as you know, opening some stage next year, um, it, uh, we decided that we had enough on our plate uh, for 2017 and decided not to do it. And that was uh, for, for 2016 at least. And um, then, but then this opportunity for Auckland came up, and it was a bit easier to to navigate through. And there, there was a site that was uh, made available to us, and um, and that was an, e an easier decision. But certainly, Brisbane and Perth uh, are on the radar. Adelaide, I think, has got its own festival, which has happened at a very similar time to when Gabs would be coming through. I think it is, and. Uh, so we listen. We're open to all those opportunities. As I said, we're, we're principally motivated by getting these beers and, and a great beer experience to as many beer as as many people as possible. And that's something that uh, that under underpins everything that we do. So if we can find a suitable site in Brisbane and Perth uh, that works, then then that's that's definitely uh, on the radar that we'll explore that. Now just. Backtracking a little bit, you snuck one through to the keeper there. Now, you, you, there's been talk about you opening a brewery for some time, but that sounded like there was some definite, uh, yeah, some definite thinking that you uh, just indicated then. So, were we definitely going to see a local tap house brewery in uh, 2016? Uh, I would say there's a 99.9% .9 chance that you're going to see. Uh, it won't be a, a local tap house brewery. It'll be a new brand, uh, a new or a new name, should I say? And uh, it's. Um, it's a bit of an open secret, obviously, what we've been planning. Uh, the, the reason for the delay of the formal announcement, as such, is just is just bureaucracy, really. There's nothing other, other no other way to describe it. We would have liked to have been announcing this six six or seven months ago, but uh, we are certainly advanced. We have poured a slab for the for the uh, for the uh, tanks, and uh, we'll be positioning them as soon as we can. So it's this uh, is in Collingwood still, because I think it, that's yeah. where you're you're looking. Yeah, it's in Collingwood, and. Um, it's uh, going to have its own, you know, venue and um, and bar and restaurants and all that kind of stuff. But it'll just be brewing beers that we want. You know, we'll be endeavouring to make the best beers that we can, and we'll obviously, um, you know, uh, see how we go from there. But uh, certainly, the plan is for, for us to be able to do that in the first um, in the first half of next year. Do you have a, a leading man attached to this project, as they'd say in Hollywood? Have you, is there a brewer lined up? Listen, we, we, we do. Um, I, I should say man or woman in, in that case. It was... Uh... Yeah, we, we, we do. Um, you know, whether, whether, you know, obviously we've had this person on board for a number of time and we've done some, some testing. Um, when, when we kind of announce all the opening and all that kind of stuff, we'll, we'll announce uh, that, that brewer because, as I said, we're still a little locked down in, in, in bureaucracy.
Steve, just a last one on Gabs. Will all of the Gabs that goes to Auckland will that be will that feature all of the uh, the things that people have grown to love at Gabs? Like you've obviously the, you know the food market and um, uh, the brewers stalls and that sort of thing, and I don't know like on oh, like craft beer college that that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, the intention is that uh, we yes, will have um, <laughs> all, all the all the bells and whistles. But as I said, it'll be a strong New Zealand focus. So all the food market will be leading uh, Auckland food vendors. Uh, the brewery stands will, we expect to be predominantly New Zealand breweries. Uh, I imagine there'll be some Australian breweries who currently export to New Zealand who may want to get involved uh, as well. But it'll have a very, very strong New Zealand feel. Education will always play a big part in what we do. And um, yeah, so that's uh, the, the, certainly the plan is we'll be shipping. I think we have five shipping containers now that the event packs up into. and. Um, and uh, we'll just put it on the sh- on the ship and and set it up there. So it's not going to be a, a watered down version at all. In much the same way as I think Sydney, we were able to to faithfully replicate um, Gabs Melbourne in Sydney, albeit in a different but equally as cool space. Um, I think that uh, I'm pretty confident that we'll be able to create uh, a great uh, environment and space at the showgrounds in in Auckland. Sounds excellent. We might have to uh, book get our flights booked. So that's June 18. Steve. Saturday, June 18 in Auckland. And, and whereabouts is it going to be held? At the ASB showgrounds. There's really only one site in Auckland that's big enough for, for what we do. It's, just, it's not dissimilar to the, to, the, to the same challenges of Brisbane and Perth. Um, they, uh, but we've got this fantastic space. And um, it's, uh, it's not historic, unfortunately. It's not, it's not um, heritage listed or anything like that. But it is a, a big space that we're confident that we can dress up to, uh, to create uh, an experience that when you walk in the door, you'll know that you're at Gabs. Wonderful. Oh, well, Steve, uh, congratulations on all that. It's it's there's there's always so much uh, planned when when we have a chat to you. So we uh, hope it all goes well. But I guess just bringing it back to the thing that we initially wanted to have a chat about, um, Hottest One Hundred. Uh, I think you said December fourteen is the date that uh, voting goes live. Yeah, that's right. So voting goes uh, is open between um, December the fourteenth and January the eighteenth. Uh, we'll be putting the call out to brewers in the next uh, day or two, uh, asking for them to register or make sure that all their beers are uh, in the beer hub ready to be eligible. And then, um, and then off we off we go. And I've, if with Dan Murphy's on board, and obviously with you and Crafty Pint and, and our own, and Gabs uh, being a big part of it as well, I think we're going to put the call out to um, to more people than we've ever done before. And so I think um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the list this year. Um, obviously, the more people the vote, um, in some ways, the less that people can be funny buggers, play funny buggers with it. And um, I, it'll just be interesting to see, will, will the familiar uh, beers that have reigned supreme in the last few years, will they do it again? Or are there other um, people um, who are other beers and other breweries that are going to, um, to usurp? I don't know. What do you guys think? Mate, I, I, look, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, it, it is one of those um, conundrums, as I alluded to uh, just some time ago in this interview, the beers that have a national presence um, are, you know, are available to more people and so more people have, you know, there's more capacity for people to vote to them. So I think we will start to see, um, you know, we, we will see some of those bigger, more popular brands um, continue to dom- dominate. But then again, it's also... You know, the, the the voting does see a whole lot of those uh, smaller brands uh, crop in. And I think people who you know, analyse the results need to remember that just because like a, a small beer from a small brewery that's only very regionally located being anywhere in the hottest 100 
um, when there are how many beers did we have last year in in, in total? Was, I, think, uh, I think the database is close to three thousand now. That that's a, not all of those would be current, but we certainly have a very very extensive database now. So to have you know like a small brewery just entering the hottest one hundred anywhere really says a you know a, a, a lot about either the beer's quality or the excitement that it's generated, and it does it doesn't have to get to the top ten to uh, to, to be there. So yeah, Mate. I mean. I wondered, do you think we need to uh, look at doing some sort of algorithm? Do we need to get Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> to help us? And that, might, that, that, that might be weighted on the basis of uh, output, you know, brewery output or something like that. Um, that would be an interesting uh, it is. It is what it is, Steve. And I think, to Matt noted, um, it, it's, for me, it's a, it, the, the, the top 100 is a snapshot. And, and the, the higher up in the top 100 you go, the more it is, a, 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 I guess, a snapshot of consistency and, and quality. Um, the beers that tick those boxes in, in QA and the ones that, you know, they're, they're continually testing and that sort of thing and making sure their product is 100% every time, they're the ones that keep, you know, because they, they stay in your, in your favourites. They, they stay in your, your repertoire when some of the others drop in and out because, oh, and I had a bad batch recently or just, oh, I had it on tap and it just wasn't as nice or whatever it might be. So I think that the ones that, that get up, up towards particularly the top 10 um, show extreme signs of, of good quality. But isn't it remarkable? Isn't it remarkable how close the hottest 100 top 10 are, in particular, uh, when compared with uh, the Critics' Choice top 10? Like that's one of the things that I often say yeah. to people is that, you know, if it was just the Logies, then you'd have you know rubbish beers at the top. But uh, they're very, very closely aligned at the top end um, with what the Critics' Choice um, say as well. So you know that, that's what it is for, as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think for exactly the same reasons. You know, availability, um, and it's just that, I don't know, I guess you, you want to reward beers that have never never done wrong by you, I guess. Can I ask you both uh, what you think might be the dark horse brewery that uh, it may kind of shake up the hottest 100 in terms of maybe number of entries, not, ne not necessarily just the position of their Fire beers? Fire Life. For me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they've created they've a lot of excitement. I mean, yeah. uh, but again, um, and, consistency, quality, all those things. Um, you know, yeah. good marketing. Um, they're getting out there. I think Modus will. I don't know how many they got in, uh, but I think Modus will probably do uh, do quite well. Hawkers has made a splash this year. Yeah, yep. so that's another hundred percent. Hawkers. Yeah. Um, so it'll be they're, interesting they're, to see. And Steve, but I don't want to bring your points. I don't want to mention any. That you know, blows, and, well, and then leave some out. But, yeah, well, but going to your point about uh, you know sort of trying to weight them, I mean, it, it, the best analogy I can think of is the uh, you know Sydney to Hobart, and uh, they they do have a handicap system, but you know the only race that people really care about um, is the uh, line honours, you know the it's handicap the winner is. The line, yeah. well, I'm not saying yeah. that's, uh, I, but they're the sort of debates that uh, that beer fans have. We obviously hear them, and and uh, it's an interesting one to have. But I I, t I tend to agree with you. It's 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 faithful to what we've always done. The spirit of it is really about individuals just choosing their top five beers and seeing if they rate or don't. It's uh, and uh, the beer fans can analyse the 100 for all they all they want to be able to get the sort of data of, that interests them out of it. And it's one of those things: take it seriously enough to vote, but don't take it so seriously enough you get into a stoush over it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But, uh, well, thanks, Steve. Thanks for coming on the program. Congratulations on it. We look forward to, uh, you know, getting right behind it. It is, you know, one, one of the big days uh, for, for Australian Brews News every year. And, uh, you know, it really is a, a, one of those really important uh, you know, votes on the, uh, on, on the Australian um, you know, beer landscape.
Thanks very much, as always, for your support. Are you are you thinking of doing another podcast, given the first one was so much fun? Oh, we'll definitely do something. We just need to sort of, we don't like to do the same thing uh, over and over again. But, yeah, no, we, we definitely uh, do something, and I might even try and get down to, uh, you know, so Prof and I can be in the same place. I'm already booked in to, to host uh, an event, uh, a, ta- a, a Tap House Modest uh, 100 event. So, yeah, don't bother, don't come bothering me at work, but we'll see, we can okay. have a beer in between. Okay, so what was that, Steve? I was about to say that I thought you guys were like the uh, the VP and the uh, and the president of the United States, that you never kind of seen in the same room together. You're one of the same. We, we, we do it, Gabs, and at the exhibition every year. But uh, yeah, no, we'll just have to see. But uh, no, Steve, always good to chat and uh, look forward to chatting with you. If Well, probably not before, but uh, certainly on, uh, on Australia Day 2016 to find out what the hottest 100 craft beers of 2015 were. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. And this is Matt. Uh, just quickly breaking in uh, to the to the regular show. Uh, you might have heard as uh, we were recording, as, as I was recording with Pete, my phone rang. Uh, it ended up being Owen Johnson from Hot Products Australia, who was midway through listening to the last episode, episode seventy of Radio Brews News, and he uh, came across uh, uh, upon the bit in which um, Chris Herring uh, was discussing uh, Galaxy Hops being uh, a GMO crop. He jumped straight on the blower to have a chat to us, so I wasn't able to take the call then, and I didn't know what it was about, but uh, I've just very quickly recorded a little bit of a uh, chat with Owen to set that record straight, so we might weave that into episode 71 um, Prof and I have finished recording, but I'll uh, just sort of weave that in now. So here we go, Owen Johnson. Yeah, I thought it was worth uh, sort of trying to set the record straight as such. Okay, so uh, mate, Galaxy Hops, GMO or not? No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely <laughs> not GMO. As I thought, because we, you know, we've spoken to both you and Tim Lord uh, a number of times previously on the show to talk about the hop development program that involves the crossbreeding and the trials and the, the very extensive um, sort of uh, natural process that, uh, that, that goes on to, to develop hops. And that's how the, the, the Galaxy Hop um, is developed. That's exactly right. We still use uh, very classic um, traditional crossing methods. Uh, I, you know, uh, Dr. Simon Whittick runs our breeding program. Um, Simon will no doubt correct me here as well, but uh, we're still using similar techniques as uh, 20 or 30 years ago. Um, Galaxy itself um, was crossed in the mid-90s um, with uh, German Perla and um, and uh, an Australian uh, high alpha male, uh, a plant out of our own breeding program, uh, which is which was uh, common common at the time that we would we would cross traditional European varieties with um, some of the unique outcomes of our own program. Um, looking for you know their um, their outcomes uh, to be screened as, as suitable for commercialisation as uh, cultivars, um, of which of course Galaxy made the cut, and here we are today. Terrific. Well, mate, I, I guess was there anything else that came out of that chat that uh, you wanted to bring us up? I mean, obviously it, it just means that it's um, all very natural and uh, above board for anyone that uh, likes to know that their beer is not GMO-free. The only the only thing I would say is that all of our varieties are crossed in this this style. It's um, you know um, collected uh, most of them are collected um, on by hand and and crossed in our in our uh, lab on the farm and um, planted out accordingly. Um, some are open crosses in terms of um, letting them 
uh, cross-pollinate naturally on the wind. Others are a little more controlled um, when we have uh, attempted to target our outcomes. So yeah, this one was a targeted outcome. So um, yeah, all of our commercial varieties are, are not GM and, uh, and we have no plans to go down that path. Is there such a thing as a genetically modified hop? Not as far as I'm aware. I, I, I know that they target uh, things like disease resistance by crossing um, parent stock that has disease resistance, for instance, for, uh, for the agricultural side of things. But there isn't, there isn't for instance, um, the splicing in, uh, human intervention, splicing in um, that sequence of genetics that leads to the disease resistance outcome um, in, a, in, a, you know, in a human intervention style. So there's still natural crosses. We do, uh, we do, um, we do select the parent stock with, uh, with the aim of, of achieving your outcomes, but we don't, we don't go in and uh, cut and paste new genetics into, into the map. There you go. I hope that clears that up. Um, Galaxy Hops, definitely not GMO. So now we'll, I'll get back to my chat with Prof. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Prof, mate, that guy is, uh, as they say in uh, the castle, he's an ideas man, that Steve Jeffers. <laughs> he, he, makes, he makes the... Sometimes after a conversation with Steve, I just feel like... Sometimes he makes the Energizer Bunny look like he's working out of an iron lung. <laughs> yes. So no, he really is. I mean, he's just a, a, a dynamo for craft beer. And you know, as I always say when when we talk about gaps, you know, I've, I've had uh, sort of issues with in the past. And I know that I was sort of very critical of uh, Warney, but you can never take away the uh, the their commitment and their dedication. And, and you know, just, look, just the, the, the ethos behind Gabs and behind the hottest one hundred and all that sort of thing. And and yeah. The, as I said, you know, you, you, there are some people who are just never going to be happy. So don't don't try to appease them because they'll they'll find fault with with whatever. I mean, yes, you can take that on board, and, and to their credit, the guys do. But uh, just the fact that somebody is doing all the and if you look at the the back end work that goes into um, making the the hottest one hundred as tight as possible in terms of, of fairness, making sure all, all the beers are there, um, putting things in place technology-wise so that people can't, you know, multiple vote, that um, people can't, you know, generate it by offering incentives, uh, you know, from, from a brewery's point of view to, to vote for their beers. So, so it's, it's as real as possible as a, it's a snapshot. And, you know, don't get upset because your favourite beer is not in the top 10. Yeah, no, and... I mean, and sorry, and the beers in the top ten, they're all boring. Well, no, you know what? They they have very broad appeal, and and very and that's broad release, most importantly as well. So yeah. you know, yeah. and, and that's always the way. And yeah, you know, so look at it. You know, do your own weighting and look at the small breweries that have 
cracked it that you, you, you may not have thought or the, the, the breweries that you know are very active on social media and you know and don't damn the poll or don't diss the poll just because some of those things are happen that's that's all part of it but uh yeah hey actually that, the, the other thing i was going to say i was going back to gabs was uh you know when people complain about the cost of gabs you know when you, you see how much infrastructure goes behind gabs to make that thing happen exactly and the reality is matt most people most people don't they look at the infrastructure they don't see it they don't realise what it costs in terms of public liability, in terms of ticking all, you know, every form that's got to be filled out and, and, and you've got to cross somebody's palm with silver every, at every step of the way, whether it's health and safety and food handling and, and everything else. Um, it's, it's not a cheap exercise. And to their credit, you know, the, the aim has been we've got to try to get it under that $30 barrier which they've done by by doing the multiple tickets because look at the end of the day oh, i'm going to catch up there with 10 mates well how about get together and book it all together then you're going to end up with 10 percent off all of your ticket yep. sort of thing so it's little things like that that they listen to the uh to the punters you know so look good luck to them um, and look i have to declare that you and i both are, uh well I, I have a very i guess um strong you know connection to it in, in terms of I get paid to be there um, and to present the the education seminars, the, the um, Craft Beer College, and to put all that together and coordinate all that sort of stuff. Um, but the reality is, and you know, cut this bit out for Steve, everyone else can hear it, but you know, I do it for free. <laughs> it, it's, it's, so mu- it's so much fun working with those guys and it's, it's it, you know, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, I, I mean, and, and I don't sort of have that uh, sort of involvement in it and I was quite, you know, not, not critical of the event itself, but just... Um, you know, uh, looking at some of the flow and effects of uh, early on, particularly, and uh, yeah, and admittedly, it, you know, I had some sort of fairly robust conversations, as my conversations do often tend to be over a bit, um, with, with both Steve and Guy at various stages. And uh, but look, I, I'm a complete; they've completely won me over just because they are, you know, they they seriously do listen and they uh, they do take it on, and they uh, it, it is a fantastic showpiece of beer, and they uh, they they're growing it nicely. But anyway, that's enough sunshine blown up there, are Steve. You can advertise anytime that you like on Australian Brewers News. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's not what it's all about. Um, now, Prof, moving on to other things. Um, as I said very early, it's only a, a day or so since we the last episode went up, so we don't have any um, additions to the 23 uh, five-star reviews that we've got on iTunes. If you are listening and you did think that was a valuable chat and you uh, would like to hear help other people find us, uh, jump on iTunes and rate us and give us some comments and some feedback. Um, we did have one comment uh, to episode 70 um, with Chris Herring last week. Um, Barry Cranston, who has uh, commented uh, previously on the show. Yep, and a home brewer yeah. of some quite renown. Which makes this comment all the more interesting, uh, given the home brewers are some of the most vocal uh, guys about what is and isn't craft beer. Um, Barry weighed in on the brewer's clarex um, uh, enzyme that was the focus of our discussion with Chris last week and uh, he says I've been using White Labs Clarify Firm or Clarity Firm brackets Brewers Clarex in my batches of homebrew this year. I have no qualms in using it if it allows more people to enjoy my beer in my humble opinion. If it works then it will not uh, be in the finished beer because it is reacted with the gluten is my uh, non-specific non-scientific way of thinking. Keep up the good shows in relation to show 69. I also hate marketing bullshit. The marketing mob should get down to the brewery and see how beer is made so that they can make educated comments about it on the future. Uh, yeah, look, I, um, I I think that the marketers do actually know the basics of how beer is made. 
But when it comes to a tough question, they want to throw their hands up and say, look, I can't comment on that. Um, he, he's, of course, talking about my um, diatribe about uh, Beer the Beautiful Truth. Um, and actually, I've, I've heard from the um, head of PR who wanted to get in touch um, having heard my dissatisfaction and have a bit of a chat about it. So I haven't had a chance to take her up on that offer, but we may have some news on that. Um, and he signs off, all the best, Barry. All the best to you, Barry. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, yeah, look, I, the reason I got um, Chris on last time, uh, Prof, was because I did think it was fascinating that, you know, the use of highly interventionist processes such as enzymes has been one of those watershed concepts in, you know, whether brewing is craft or not, and uh, the the fact that someone like Barry is is using it, I think, uh, you know, as as I said, another nail in the coffin That's for this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it, it just yeah. We we need to look at other things, um, and and just look at beer as being beer, which again reminds me of my point that which makes the honesty of the story that brewers tell um, is is much more important because it does come down to to those things. But anyway. Um, I don't know that there's much more to add, Prof. Uh, we, we've come up to the hour mark uh, quite tightly. Uh, That's a good one for him. Yeah. It'll get yeah. you through your day, folks, I hope. Steve's always a good chat. But no, listeners, thank you for joining us. Please do weigh in. Um, in the uh, you, you can jump on the comment section. You can leave feedback on and, and ratings on iTunes. You can get us on Facebook. You can find us if you've got something to say. We do have our, uh, our op uh, operators waiting or a recorded voice waiting it just doesn't seem to have resonated with people. I might leave a message myself next week. Prof, uh, 0730401508 is the number you can find in the show notes if you did want to leave a call. But I think most people listen to this on the move, Prof, so uh, it's not convenient to yeah, leave you a probably, call. Yeah, you don't, you don't sort of uh, remember it by the time you, you've got back out. What was I supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. I, I, I know I never do. But uh, Prof, always good to chat. Um we are going to try and do that long-awaited chat with Anya Ohura um, from Boyne Brewing uh, in Ireland. Now, I, I have to admit, I, my geography of Ireland isn't too good, so I just call it Ireland, um, and I don't know exactly where. Is it is it is it Dublin, Prof? Do you know? Uh, it's yeah. Uh, yes, it's yes. That's uh, <laughs> it's dro I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think it's Drogheda, but it's probably something completely D R O G H E A D A maybe or E E D A. Which so I think Irish is around Dublin area, phone in. region. If we do have any Irish listeners, please phone in and correct our pronunciation um, and tell us that I just gave you the number. But uh, we will try and do that. Otherwise, we will come up with someone equally as entertaining and interesting. Prof, till next time. Arrivederci. And we are out.